everybody. <laughs> Give them 10 minutes. That's right. Give them 10 minutes. They'll be here by the time call to worship is done. Hi, y'all are, y'all are good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I think people are still funneling in. I saw people. I don't know. The front ones? If you want. This was an awkward start to our worship today. It's a slow start. It's all right. I know everyone's cold. It's nice though, right? Cold, moving slower. There's Miss Mildred coming on in. Mark's trying to find a seat. What? Family's here. You don't have to sit with them. (laughs) We are glad everyone is here. There's... um, Several announcements. Um, I mean, I invite you to turn to your bulletin to check all those out um, and, and pay attention to those. Some things that I want to point out. Today is Consecration Sunday, and so we are glad that um, everyone is here um, to participate in that and to celebrate our, the gifts that we have been given by God um, and be able to share those. So um, in your bulletin is your... Um, your card, your tithes and offerings card, and you can just, when you fill that out, you can fold it and just put it in the, in the offering plate when, when it comes around. So there you go. There's that. There's also a celebration lunch following service. It is catered. You just have to show up. Everybody is welcome uh, and uh, should be good. I don't even know what we're having. Where's Barbara? Banana pudding. Banana, I know we're having banana pudding, which is all I care about. So you can... I'll eat my weight in banana pudding. That's what it looks like. Um, it's also a wandering through worship if we have any kids. Um, next Sunday, some of you may have met my friend and colleague, Jamie Lynn Haskins, uh, who joined a couple months ago. Um, she's going to be preaching for me um, just so I can rest and have a Sunday off. Um, as I was Um, doing my self-evaluation for HR, I realized that I did not take two entire weeks of my vacation um, last in 2018. And um, I was like, oh, I'm wondering why I'm tired. So just going to take some, a couple days and taking next Sunday. Um, But I hope you will show up for her and rally behind her because she's an excellent preacher. So, Um, and also Jamie, this Jamie Babzak will also be out. So we'll both be out next week, but there's too many Jamies. Yeah. You either have to be willing to have colored hair or be named Jamie in order to be a member. Just kidding. <laughs> You're like, oh dear. <laughs> um, that's really all the announcements I have, but you had one, right? Mm-hmm. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, want ex- hey. I want to uh, extend a word of gratitude and thanksgiving for your prayers and support last week. Um, as myself and Sarah Schumacher and three of our youth, um, Alyssa, Austin, and Ian, were all traveling to Baltimore for a service weekend. Um, we had a wonderful and challenging and stretching and formative time together um, working in an urban garden. Sarah has some poison ivy to prove it. Um, but we just had a really wonderful time building fellowship with one another. Um, those car rides are always really fun and exciting. Um, so we want to share that experience with you as well. That won't happen today, but it will be happening in the upcoming weeks. Um, so stay tuned for when we share about our experience in Baltimore. Do you know what else it is today? It's Sunday. That's good. It is October 14th. That's cool, too. It's Consecration Sunday. Jensen, what else is it? It's also dessert day. That's true and accurate. It's the last day of the folk festival. Uh, it's, it's the coldest day we've had in a while. It's also Clergy Appreciation Day. So I don't know if you like surprises or not. It doesn't really matter at this point because it's a surprise. 
Um, if you have brought a card for Pastor Holly, could you raise it high in the air? Could you go collect some cards? Okay, gratitude is exciting and tear-provoking and all of those things. Um, We wanted to extend words of gratitude and thanksgiving to you for being our minister here together. Um, We are grateful for your leadership, for your service to this community, and we wanted to let you know that. But it's not just cards. Oh, you forgot Frank's. That's all right. It's not just cards, but we also celebrate by eating cake. Um, So there will be cake before our luncheon today, because why not eat dessert first, right? Um, So we'll share in cake and celebration of both Clergy Appreciation Day as well as Consecration Sunday after worship. So thank you. That's really sweet. I'm going to take a few moments to let all that sink in. So thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Um, again, it's uh, some several people walked in maybe after I made the announcement about Consecration Sunday. So your consecration card is in your bulletin, and you can just fold that up when the time comes and put it in the offering plate. Um, and we thank you for participating Lovely. in that. Oh, maybe because of the microphone. I'll turn it off. Okay, then I don't know. Um, and we, we do, it's been raining. I don't know if you noticed. So anytime it's raining a huge amount and Hanover Hall floods and we're worried about the organ, um, Linus plays the piano, so that's why, if anyone wondered. So we're glad that he's flexible enough to just switch over to another instrument because while it, it looks really similar, um, the piano and the organ are two very separate instruments. <laughs> so... Um, With that, um, Linus, we invite you to prepare us to worship God.
Good morning. Um, I invite you to stand with a call to worship. In Jesus Christ, there is a new creation. This newness is from God, who has reconciled us through Jesus Christ. Please join with me in the confession in your bulletin. O oh God, when you keep silence about our sin and waste away with regret and guilt, you feel your hand upon us and our strength dries up. And so we acknowledge our sin to you, holding nothing back, for you are a hiding place for us. We trust in you to preserve us, forgive us, and reclaim us to you. Steadfast love surrounds those who put their trust in God, for God forgives the guilt of their sin. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven. Be glad in God. Now at peace with God and one another, let's offer the peace.
Please be seated. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verses 1 through 12. Feel free to read along from your Pood Bible. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negeb and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him, and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and the entire land. And for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. One of the things that I usually do is make sure everything's in order in my sermon. I realize I didn't do that. (laughs) If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to God's self. We are ambassadors for Christ. The upbeat nature of these individual verses actually contradicts the tense relationship between Paul and the Corinthians in the time of the correspondence. And if we place these verses back in context, we get a glimpse into something of how theology and life come together. At the time that Paul is writing 2 Corinthians, he apparently does not have the powerful presence and demeanor that 
the Corinthians expect. Paul appears to be a man that does not keep his word. We don't know this. I mean, it, we didn't share this in the, in the text, but he says he's going to come visit, and he doesn't come visit. And as we know, when a person's character is revealed by what they say and what they do, Paul's status as an apostle with Corinth's experience of him is not matching up. Paul's appeal for reconciliation arises out of a complex and messy human situation. Much as he desires the Corinthians to be reconciled to God, Paul also earnestly yearns for some kind of reconciliation between the Corinthians and him. I suspect Paul recognizes that what goes on in human communities and how we relate to one another has implications on how we relate to God. It is not just about us, nor is it just about God. It is about how we understand ourselves to be in relationship with God and with one another, all in the same moment. The two are linked. A few years ago, the New York Times featured portraits from photographer Peter Hugo in a series called Rwanda 20 Years. Hugo, who went to Rwanda Two decades after nearly a million people were killed during the country's genocide, captured a series of unlikely stories. The pictures were part of a larger project that helped victims and perpetrators find forgiveness and reconciliation. It's clear from the pictures and from the stories that there's varying degrees of reconciliation. These people can't go anywhere else. They have to make peace, Hugo explained. Forgiveness is not born out of some airy-fairy sense of benevolence. It is more out of a survival instinct, he continues. And yet the practical necessity of reconciliation does not detract from the emotional strength required of these Rwandans to forge it. In one portrait, the survivor and perpetrator stand stoically side by side. And the perpetrator shares, I burned her house. I attacked her in order to kill her and her children. But God protected them, and they escaped. When I was released from jail, if I saw her, I would run and hide. Then I started the reconciliation trainings, and I decided to ask her for forgiveness, to have good relationships with the person to whom you did evil deeds, we thank God. And the survivor responds, I used to hate him. When he came to my house and knelt down before me and asked for forgiveness, I was moved by his sincerity. Now if I cry for help, he comes to rescue me. When I face any issue, I call him. Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ has entrusted the message of reconciliation to us. But what does that even mean? To coexist in harmony, 
to restore, to make friendly again. Representative John Lewis, a prominent civil rights activist before his election to the House of Representatives, told a story of reconciliation that was decades in the making. In May of 1961, Lewis was beaten into a pool of his own blood in South Carolina for entering a whites-only waiting room. Nearly 50 years later, in 2009, he was visited by the man who attacked him. The man, now in his 70s, accompanied by his son, said, Mr. Lewis, I am one of the people who beat you and your seatmate. I'd been a member of the Klan. I want to apologize. Will you accept my apology? Will you forgive me? And tearfully, Lewis did. Christ has entrusted the message of reconciliation to us. But reconciliation is more than just forgiveness. It is a turning toward what we fear most. It is navigating a way forward. It is finding a way forward when we thought there was no way forward. And this isn't always in big, sweeping, powerful moments, like the stories that I just told you about Rwanda or Representative Lewis. Reconciliation can be one of the hundreds of movements forward that happen every single day. Like waking up in the morning and looking at your partner and saying, I choose you again today. Or maybe it looks like being reconciled with yourself about your own body image or illness or the insecurities that we all hold. Or maybe it's just being reconciled to the realities that maybe life is just difficult right now. And you're just going to allow yourself to sit in the mud and muck and feel all of it for a little while. Reconciliation it is, a, is a decision to choose life. And I think it's for this reason why Paul believes that how we relate to one another has implications for how we relate to God. Because in Christ we are a new creation and we have life. Jesus came to bring life and to bring it abundantly, to show us that we can move in this world with courage, facing our fears as he faced his and learning that death does not have the final word. So every time we choose reconciliation, in whatever form, big or small, we are confronting our fears of the other, of the unknown. We are choosing life and believing that there is something beyond what we could imagine and that it is life-giving. I think it's also important to note that reconciliation is an ongoing process. First, because as humans, we will always have opportunities for reconciliation because we aren't perfect, and undoubtedly we will continue to hurt ourselves and others. But further, I think the process of reconciliation looks a lot like the fluid process of grief, where there are stages, and the stages don't move linearly. 
which really stinks because you think that you're doing really well and then you realize you're not. And I find it, I imagine it looking a lot like a child scribbles, right? Like just scribbling, and, which is really endearing but not usually very aesthetically pleasing. Several years ago, I officiated a wedding for a former student of mine from Barton College. They were a young lesbian couple, and one of the brides desperately wanted her dad to walk her down the aisle. And as the wedding drew closer and we were tweaking the ceremony, I, I was asking about logistics, like, what is he going to do? Is he going to walk you down the aisle? And she would sadly respond with, I don't know. And we were at the rehearsal the day before the ceremony, and I asked again, is your dad going to walk you down the aisle? And sadly she said, no. But my brother is. And while thrilled that she found solace, that her brother was going to walk her down the aisle, I was also brokenhearted for her. And on the wedding day, I saw that her dad was present. And word got back to me that he was going to walk her down the aisle. Having not been present at the rehearsal, I went to talk with her dad about the logistics, about what was going to happen and the trade-off and all of that. And honestly, he seemed annoyed and frustrated to be there. Which made me annoyed, honestly. Why show up? I thought if you're just going to be a curmudgeon about it all, you're just going to be negative, why show up? And the ceremony happened, and he walked her down the aisle, and he looked extremely uncomfortable, and the wedding was gorgeous, and I was annoyed at his annoyance. And it wasn't until I was driving away that it all clicked. Here I was, making a harsh criticism of this man, wondering why he would show up to his daughter's wedding if he was just so uncomfortable, why he would go through the motions if he was struggling to the point of physical discomfort. And then it clicked. He showed up. He showed up. He didn't get it. He didn't understand that his only daughter fell in love with another woman. He was probably scared for her and how maybe society might treat her. He was unwrapping himself from all that he had imagined that her life would be like. But he showed up. He knew he didn't want to miss this moment. And that's all that mattered. And in that moment... His willingness to show up was movement toward reconciliation. It wasn't necessarily complete. Maybe it was the first of many steps and a lot of continued conversations. But it was the step in the process of some level of reconciliation. It was a step forward. Like so much of life and our faith, none of this is ever complete. Like reconciliation, perhaps we find ourselves somewhere in the process. I think about Moses, who didn't get to see the promised land. The next generation had to pick up where he was leaving off and take the next steps. I consider the transformation process that this congregation is moving through as it formally moves into phase two. But knowing deep down the transformation process is never complete. It is always ongoing. I think about Jesus' words. The poor will always be with you. 
And I imagine us as a congregation and as individuals, as people of faith, rolling this big boulder up a hill, a hill that we will never make it to the top. And I wonder why. Why do we keep rolling this big boulder up the hill? Because we're never going to make it to the promised land. It's futile. But that's not what this is about. It isn't always a matter of effectiveness. This is a matter of faith. No person has gotten to the end of their life and said, well, I've got this love thing all figured out, so you don't have to worry about it, next generation. We can't always measure our progress. Or the progress is excruciatingly slow. And too often in society that focuses on effectiveness, we choose easier tasks that are measurable so that we can feel better about ourselves and have a sense of completion. But we are on a journey. Can you imagine if that is how God measures our success? based on our effectiveness? Sure, we might have some good days, but too often I've left church feeling really, really good only to lose my temper headed home in traffic. <laughs> That's not how the gospel works. Forgiveness isn't about being deserving. Reconciliation isn't about being deserving. Love is not about being deserving. And so we keep going and we keep showing up because the work is never done. And we share the responsibility with each other. And we give where we can, when we can. And when we have strength, we give more to support those who do not. And so we come and we show up to work on ourselves and to work on our faith. And we continue to be the beloved community of God. And we give thanks for the unreserved grace abounding, reconciling love of God. Let it be so. If you feel called to be a part of this congregation that celebrates the reconciling love of God. You are invited to join this congregation by coming forward as we sing our hymn of commitment, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. We will sing verses one and four. Let us stand and share our voices.
good. <laughs> um, yay, the Schumachers have joined. As we know that um, Schumachers have been, y'all been coming for a, several, since Christmas. Year, so. Okay, it only took a year, all right. Oh, that's awesome, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> um, so I think everyone knows everybody, but Sarah, AKA Amy, because sometimes that's what I call her. <laughs> no, Sarah and John and their two kids, Jensen and Alyssa, we are so glad that you are here. We extend um, the love of Christ to you as a community of faith. And so we ask that you affirm your faith in Jesus the Christ. Um, we and I invite you to turn to page 341 in your hymnals and we will join in and welcoming a new member. Are y'all ready? All right. <laughs> no. It's okay. Reaffirming our own faith in Jesus the Christ, we gladly welcome you into this community of faith, enfolding you with our love and committing ourselves to your care. and the power of God's Spirit, let us mutually encourage each other to trust God and strengthen one another to serve others, that Christ's church may in all things stand faithful. We welcome you all. Sarah, Sarah was crying. I was like, I hope those are good. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day to worship you. We pray for the food we get to eat. We pray for our families. I pray for the friends that I have made on the trip last week. We thank you for bringing everyone in church today. Thank you for our love, your love to us. I pray for all the people who are homeless because of Hurricane Michael. And all God's people said to him, Amen. I'm here because this is a flat surface and that is an awesome. And you wouldn't see me otherwise. I was thinking about how things come together. And today I'm using an old computer that I wanted to print out my little thing that I was gonna say today. Couldn't get on the internet, paid for the internet, couldn't get on the internet to print it, so here I am. Thank God for other ways. Couldn't put the paper out, but I certainly can do this. Now, good morning, I'm Barbara Dickinson and I am your stewardship and finance chair believe it or not, and I'm more importantly a believer. I'm a believer that Christ Jesus came to this world to show us truth, a truth that is not natural to us. I believe that he showed us the ultimate way of living, the ultimate way that his Father and our Father wants us to live. I believe that Jesus died for me to give me of freedom, <laughs> whether I choose to live it or not, Jesus. But a freedom to make the choice, to live like he lived, the ultimate human spiritual life, one that's sacrificial. Christ didn't fight for us as we in our fleshly form naturally want to do. He gave his life for us. Why? Because flesh and spirit are opposing each other. And he wanted us to know more about the spirit. During his life, he spoke from the Old Testament scripture. 
helping people of that time to understand what it means to trust in God, the creator. Jesus lived for God. He asked us to do the same. I was conveniently able to hear Holly's sermon last week because I paid my internet bill. If you ever miss a Sunday in this place, and if your internet have access to internet, it is so wonderful to be able to hear what went on during the worship service. Thank you, Holly, for the most meaningful lesson you gave us. This lesson helped me form what I'm saying today. Steve, wherever you are, thank you. Um, I was able to hear you too. Thank you for your stewardship moment and the definition of tithing and your, your story about the mission trip. It was powerful as well. I'm glad I was able to hear this because I was going to start my stewardship moment by the definition of tithing. So I quickly had to change what I was going to say. I'm going to talk about faith. Um, this is from Mark Batterson's book, Draw the Circle, a 40-day um, prayer challenge. And many of you know this is what I have on my email. Faith is not a noun. It's a verb, an action verb. We can pray until our knees are numb. But if our praying isn't accompanied by acting, then we won't get anywhere. If you want to see God move, make a move. I have faith that we will be able to come to this beautiful building any day of the week because it's here. I have faith that the organ is going to work and Linus will be here to play. I have faith that Holly will be here, that we will have a youth program, that we will have an outreach program, that we will have funds to provide the candles for our worship. I have faith that we will resolve the water problem in Hanover Hall. I have faith that this church will grow in membership. But faith without action is dead. According to James, the half-brother of Jesus, you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't back up the faith with action, it's meaningless. Being stewardship and finance chair, I am also a member of the board, and there are actions that are identified and voted on or against. It's true that it's going to cost around a thousand, oh, well, thousands of dollars to keep the organ working. It's true that we pay Holly and Jamie, Linus and Ryan. It's true that we have an outreach community. It's true that we have people dedicated to helping our outreach efforts in worship, in Sunday school, in Bible study, in folding the bulletins every week. It's true that we need everyone sitting in the pews, enjoying the air conditioning, the heating, the paper we're using for our bulletins, to help support paying electric, water, telephone, landscaping bills, and yesterday to help clean up Hanover Hall. I'm asking those who love this community of believers to pull, to put your faith into action. God gave his son so that we might live. God hasn't asked us for, to give our lives for others. He only asked us to give one-tenth of our time, talents, and financial resources back to him. What a deal. As we enjoy our celebration lunch today, I ask you not only to partake, but find a way of how you might host this luncheon that's paid for by us. God bless you. Thank you. 
us pray. Generous God, we thank you for all that we have, for all of it comes from you. We greatly return a portion of what we have to you. May our offerings sustain and support the work of this church and close the disparity between those who have so much and those who have so little in this community. Amen. You may be seated. Sharing a meal with Christ, we know we are accepted and reconciled. Communing with Christ, we encounter a transforming friendship. Let us enter into the joy of our Lord. Let us share our voices in our communion hymn found on page 398. As we gather around this table, we remember the story that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and poured it out. and gave it to his disciples and said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins, poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. For those of you visiting with us today, please know that no matter who you are or where you are from, you are welcome to partake in communion this morning. This morning we will be uh, observing communion by intinction, so you are invited to take a piece of bread and to dip it in the cup and to take the two elements together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it is good to be here in your house to worship you and Jesus and to go through the communion service. Thank you, God, for Jesus' sacrifice for us and the world's salvation. God bless this bread, the symbol of Jesus' body, and all who partake, so that we can feel your presence in our hearts, minds, and souls as we travel on the path with you to eternity. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. We are grateful, O oh God, for the uh, dawning of each new day and for food that sustains our physical being we come to this lord's table giving thanks for this spiritual cup we remember jesus taking the cup and sharing it with his disciples now O oh god we pray for a renewed awareness of your presence as we commit our lives to serving in more effective ways in the days that you may grant to us in jesus name we pray amen
morning we recognize that our elders will be taking communion to those in our community who are unable to join us due to illness or whatever, many things that keep us from church sometimes. So I invite us um, to join in, printed in your bulletin, is a commissioning to our elders who will take this communion this week. Elders, go with God to those who are not with us, sharing with them the communion we shared in this worship hour. Let them know that they are remembered, loved, and continue to be a part of 7th Street Christian Church community. Amen. Amen. And let us continue in prayer. Bountiful God, we give you thanks that you have refreshed us at your table. Strengthen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth in the world with courage and peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who by his courageous actions teach us about reconciliation, and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let us stand, if you are able, and join in our closing hymn. We will sing verses 1, 2, and 5 of the Church's One Foundation. Before you, we, before you receive the benediction, um, again, I invite y'all as you're departing to welcome, officially welcome the Schumachers. Please remember that we have immediately following lunch downstairs. Go ahead and get through the line and get started. Um, I'll come down in a, in a few and say a prayer. It also looks like we're starting with dessert first with some cake. Does that mean there's not banana pudding? Okay. <laughs> I mean, no offense. I mean, I'm grateful for the cake and all. I, just, I need both. Um, <laughs> um, receive this benediction. Let us count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Let God satisfy us this morning with steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Depart in peace and let God's favor be upon us to prosper the work of our hands. Amen. <laughs>